When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. Paris Saint-Germain are out of the Champions League. Again, this time losing 3-0 on aggregate to Bayern Munich. In the 11 years since the Qatari takeover, they've spent over a billion pounds and the most prized title eludes them once more. Now, lots of people, including you, may have laughed at that. So we're going to talk about why you may have laughed at that. I'm Mark Chapman. This is the Athletic Football Podcast. There are elements of that team that can be the basis for a very strong side, representative of real Parisian identity. It looks like they're sort of trying to move away from, from the, the kind of bling-bling approach of, of previous seasons. But nonetheless, there is no coherent footballing project on the pitch. So joining us today to discuss this one, the Athletics man in Munich, Peter Rutzler and French football expert Tom Williams. Let me start with you, Peter, because you're out there in Munich. I just wonder how you found the reaction from the French press pack that are out there following the defeat. Yeah, it was a mix of resignation, I suppose, uh, at something that was marginally accepted because of the repeat failures that we've seen from PSG. I think there was a bit of understanding as well, particularly when it comes to the injuries on the night and, and how that sort of unfolded and, and maybe, you know, the chance that Patinia missed in that first half, you're looking at a different game, but it's, and I'm sure as we'll discuss with, with Tom in more detail, it's reflective of something that's wider and a lot of the issues that happened on the night can date back to, to before then. So, yeah, resignation, probably matching the mood within the uh, dressing room a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are so many things that we can get into with this, but, but first of all, Tom, and then maybe Peter after this, is it fair to judge Paris Saint-Germain or indeed any major European club on simply what they do in the Champions League, which, as I've said many times, is still essentially a cup competition? I mean, it is and it isn't. It is because they are one of the most well-resourced clubs in football history um, and they have assembled an incredible collection of world-famous footballers. They dominate their domestic league and winning the Champions League has been their stated ambition ever since the Qataris bought the club in 2011. But it isn't because, as you say, it's a cup competition and there are lots of very well-resourced clubs who haven't come 
close to winning the Champions League during that period. You know, Manchester City still haven't won the Champions League. Pep Guardiola hasn't won the Champions League since he left Barcelona. And he is undoubtedly the, the great coach of his age. So it's not, it's not an automatic thing. I think... I think the reason that people sort of take a lot of relish in, in PSG's repeated failings is because we know how much money they have and, and, and they just they, they seem to go about things in in the wrong way, um, in a very obvious way. They seem to make very obvious mistakes. They, they seem to put the emphasis in, in, in the wrong places and with the same results season after season. So, I, you know, I think given, given their resources, given the extent of their domestic dominance, it, it is not unreasonable to have expected them to have done better than one Champions League final since the Qataris arrived in 2011. I mean, five last 16 exits in the last seven years. That that's. I mean, it's a sign of consistency, but not the kind of consistency you want. Um, but yes, I, we shouldn't overlook the caveat that, you know, throwing money at the Champions League, even having an extremely well-run club and, a, and an excellent team, an excellent manager, none of those things are, are guarantees of, of winning it. Because I sense, Peter, we could have... The themes would have been very different. But if Bayern Munich had gone out last night and the fact that they're in a title race in the Bundesliga, we may have done a similar podcast, albeit with different themes, on Bayern Munich going out at this stage. Yeah, I suppose. But I I think the tone would be different. And I think Tom covers it pretty well there. It's a stated aim for PSG to want to win the Champions League. But also their pursuit of it, you know is very much based in ways that maybe annoy people. It's almost like you're, you're jumping the gun, bringing the best players, spend the most money, that should result in the trophy. And now, of course, it's a cup competition and there is that variability in, in results. But if you're trying to reduce those variables, you do that in all different ways. And, and sometimes that may not even be enough. You can see with the way Manchester City have gone about it, the, the contrast there. With PSG, it feels like the emphasis has always been money, and at least that's the narrative as much as, as anything, and, and it's borne out in results as well. And I think that's, that's why they are judged by that, because they have the large, the large wallet, the, the amount of money to spend, um, without necessarily targeting those other variables that, say, with Bayern Munich, they do tick off with the philosophy, the manager, the, the alignment with recruitment. Um, there is a very much a, a, a non-team element to it, for a team sport and, and there is the random element with, with a knockout uh, tournament um, which you can all, which you can't always count for but as Tom said the consistency with which this has happened suggests a lot more I mean some of the comments on, on athletic articles around the Paris Saint-Germain exit Tom I mean they, they make me they make me laugh because look here's one as a Real Madrid fan, I love the suffering of Paris Saint-Germain. Like Real Madrid are some holistic club to be yeah. <laughs> held up as the barometer for all of us that want a well-run club. Another one, great to see, overpaid and overhyped. Watching Paris Saint-Germain lose, says another one, might be just as good as watching Manchester United lose, who haven't threatened the top table of Europe for a decade or something. But... Um, there is, I mean, even clubs who have similar philosophies to Paris Saint-Germain, fans of those clubs, seem to have a problem with Paris Saint-Germain. Yes, they do. Um, and I think it's a classic case of, of, of nouveau riche. Uh, you know, PSG um, are in the vanguard of, of uh, the, the, the modern uh, cabal of, of, of state-owned clubs. This is still a, a relative novelty and... and you know, for 
for more traditional football fans, you're always going to turn your noses up at, at, at some Arivistes who, who arrive seemingly from nowhere with, with bottomless pockets and, and try and buy their way to success. I mean, it's kind of natural that you should want that kind of endeavour to, to fall flat on its face. And I think that's, I think that's probably behind a lot of the... Um, a lot of the the Schadenfreude that that you see, particularly in this country, when when PSG, you know, succumb to their their annual Champions League humiliation. Um, I, my feeling as well. I mean, xenophobia is probably too strong a word, but I think there is also a, a link with the fact that this is a French club and specifically a Parisian club that this keeps happening to. Because in this country, historically speaking, you know. We don't like the French. We don't get on all that, all that well with the French. There are near neighbours from just across the channel, but they're very different to us. They're a bit snooty. They're very sure of themselves. They're very arrogant. They're always on strike, etc., etc., etc. And there's a kind of there's a natural hostility towards you know things French, and most of it's pretty playful. Most of it is just is just you know banter. But I think I think that does mean that when when PSG go out in the Champions League that kind of gives it an additional mocking edge than if this was, you know, another big, uh, lavishly funded club crashing and burning in the Champions League. I um, I often find talking about Paris Saint-Germain quite difficult, actually, because I, I lived in Paris in the, in the mid-90s and I would go and watch Paris Saint-Germain in the mid-90s, which was a team at the time of... David Ginola and George Weah and Paul Le Guin. But just on a history lesson, Tom, you know, they are not they are not a behemoth, or they weren't a behemoth by any means, of French football. No, I mean they've been the kind of they're the classic sleeping giant, if you like. You know, they've had periods of success, but but relative to you know, relative the strategic advantages that they have as the one top flight club in the French capital, they have underachieved pretty massively. Um, and, you know, they are a, a very young club, as we're often reminded. You know, they're only founded in, in 1970. Um, and, you know, they, you know, prior to the arrival of the Qataris, they had never had a dominant spell in French football. They won their, their first league title under and the Houllier. There was that period that, that you mentioned that, that you know that you witnessed yourself in the nineties um, when they were owned by by Canal Plus and you know and signed various superstar players. But the the great uh, the great teams of French football historically have been Haas in the fifties, Saint Etienne uh, in the seventies, Nantes as well. You know Marseille, of course, Lyon in in the first decade of of the current century. So, so PSG have not until this current spell, you know, had that had that notoriety. And it has to be said that 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 coming up short in 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 European competition is very much um, a theme for French clubs. Only one French club has ever won the Champions League. Marseille back in 1993 and that was with the not inconsiderable asterisk beside it of <laughs> it, it being in the midst of a fairly notorious um, match fixing scandal all the other great clubs fell short Saint-Étienne Lyon etc you know etc so it's it is as disappointing as it is for PSG it's very consistent with with the uh, the experiences of the leading French clubs in European competition and therefore what is the feeling within French football towards Paris Saint-Germain? I think there's a distinction 
to be drawn between what people within French football think and what French football fans think. Yeah. I think, generally speaking, most people within French football look at PSG in a positive light. Um, an expression you hear quite a lot is that, that PSG are une locomotive for French football, you know, like a, lo- a locomotive, a train, sort of driving the country forward. Because if it wasn't for PSG, you know, French football would be even further down the pecking order in European football. I mean, you know, the last few years, their, their, their place in the UEFA coefficient ranking has looked very perilous indeed. You know, they're under threat from Portugal, from the Netherlands, from various other countries. It's only really PSG doing anything in, in, in the Champions League and occasionally Lyon or, or someone else that allows them to, to hold on to that place. Um, and, you know, when when the Qataris first arrived in 2011, it was it was welcomed by, by French football. I mean, the, you know, France really rolled out the... The, the red carpet and rival club presidents, you know, Jean-Michel Olas at Lyon, for example, very outspoken, a fierce defender of, of his club, has always been pretty pro-PSG. I mean, he has sort of jousts in, in the media with, with Nasser Al-Khalafi from time to time and isn't always all that complimentary. But but I think within French football that, that they realise how fortunate they are um, as the, the poor relation of, of Europe's five major leagues to have this one super club um, in their midst. That said, for, for fans of other French clubs, they take as much delight from seeing PSG fall on their faces as, as we do, if not a little bit more. I mean, particularly if you're if you're a Marseille fan. I mean, there is, you know, I know of uh, I know of members of, of that that 1993 Champions League winning team who have an annual get together to toast PSG's exit from the Champions League, and, and it's become a it's become a regular it's become a regular thing because it you know that is um, yeah it's the, the, these 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 PSG. Uh, PSG humiliations, albeit last night was a bit less humiliating than some of the recent uh, eliminations have been. I mean, you know, they, they are a, 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 a recurrent thing. Do, do you think um, that Peter, and you, you can look at the German market here as well, do you think, in essence, within football, we're more comfortable with investment going into clubs that have a history, quote unquote, than those? that don't. I think so and I think that goes back to Tom's point about PSG being nouveau riche because there's a familiarity to it. It's, I guess it's a change and quite an abrupt change in a very short period of time to go from a moderate level, a good level, to an extreme level and very much at, at a table that's generally had the same people sitting around it for most of the past 50 years or so. Um, and and the, the German model is a is an example of that. There's an acceptance that FC Bayern or FC Hollywood um, out here, and there's an acceptance that they're going to try and take the best players. They don't necessarily want to. They don't necessarily enjoy it. They don't. They don't want it to happen. Particularly fans of other clubs, but there is that sense that they do that. Now PSG don't even operate in that way. Um, they've sort of gone beyond and bigger and, and pulled players from all over the world, the best from, from all over the world. And I think the fact that they've done that, not being afraid to go outside of what is potentially their zone of influence or what you would assume would be, you know, in a domestic market, um, for right or for wrong, because you can make a case that that's something that PSG haven't capitalised upon enough um, over this past decade. But again, that, that sort of adds to that sentiment that they are very new, muscling themselves around. And that rubs people up the wrong way. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. I wonder whether this is also, before we come on to what the future may be for Paris Saint-Germain and what happens with certain players and where they, where they go in the next few years, I wonder that whether this is a generational thing as well, Tom. I wonder whether you know a whole load of middle-aged people may have a problem with Paris Saint-Germain, but, uh, but the kids don't. I mean, wherever I go in the world, I do see a lot of Paris Saint-Germain shirts. And I think when I moved back to England after I'd lived in, as I say, lived in Paris for that year, I was probably the only one with a Paris Saint-Germain shirt with Commodore on the front. Um, So, I I mean, I do wonder whether it's a lot of middle-aged people getting annoyed about this and the kids don't really care. They like Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I live in North London and I think, you know, besides the big Premier League club replica shirts that you'd expect to see, um, you know, on the streets, that the shirt that you see the most, and not only the shirt, but the sort of the leisure wear and the trainers and whatever else, it's it's all PSG. And I remember when PSG launched their collaboration with Air Jordan and it was this, it seemed to me to be a very transparent attempt to try and be cool. Like, okay, we're this, we're this French football club who... Um, you know, have have some issues when it comes to our legitimacy as uh, a serious a serious force in European football. But but we are going to make ourselves really cool, um, and, and we're going to you know sign up this this very cool uh, sports manufacturer to, to make our kits. And people just kind of just accepted that. It was like, yeah, this is cool, uh, and there, there was no kind of. Yeah, there was there didn't seem to be any kind of disdain about how I don't know about how sort of blatant the whole thing was um and yeah you know I, I think there is a 
there is probably a, a slight generational disconnect in the sense that maybe slightly older football fans place greater store by you know on pitch success and 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 having some sort of coherent playing identity whereas i think if you're a younger football fan and, and we shouldn't forget that that you know that, that the game is increasingly sort of star led you, you you know you 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 do get kids who will sort of follow a player from club to club rather than just you know sticking with with the, the club that their, their their father or their mother or, or their uncle sncle sort of you know landed them with when they were kids and and so i think in i think in the eyes of younger people uh, you know that you know psg are a, a cool club and and they you know all their stuff is cool and their players are cool and yes they keep getting accumulated in the champions league but there are ways of engaging the club that that sort of survive that and yeah i i guess from from psg's perspective that's that's something that they're probably quite happy to be able to keep mining you know even even though on the pitch that they keep you know butting their heads against this this glass ceiling so two two of their front three are you could argue that football wise they might be better off without from next season really I mean Julien Laurent said to me on five live last night it isn't Messi's talent that's in question, but at his age... There's a mission in the first half where he goes on the counter-attack, he's sprinting, and Goretzka, who's five yards behind him, catches him up. And this is, this is the reality, really. So football-wise, losing maybe Messi and Neymar could, Im- could improve them. But commercially, that could be disastrous for them, couldn't it? Yeah, and this strikes at the heart of PSG's problem, that marketing decisions and footballing decisions have not gone hand in hand and occasionally signings have been made that made a lot more commercial sense um, than sporting sense. Um, did PSG really need to sign Lionel Messi? I mean, it sounds like an absurd thing to say because, of course, every club in the world is going to want to sign Lionel Messi if you can. Um, and given the sort of salary he commands, PSG were one of maybe two or three clubs who, who could have even envisaged such a transfer. But looking at what they needed on the pitch, did they need to sign him? Arguably not. Did they need to sign Gianluigi Donnarumma when Kayla Navas has been one of the best goalkeepers in Europe for the last four or five years and never put a, a foot wrong for, for PSG in the Champions League? Arguably not. Um, and, and, and this is the problem with PSG that, you know, they... They have appointed coaches who have very clear ideas about the kind of football that, that they want their teams to play. Uh, but every single one of those coaches, whether that's Unai Emery, whether that's Thomas Tuchel, whether that's Mauricio Pochettino, they all have their hands tied because there are three players who don't really like running very much. And sure, you know, do everything else you need to do. Um, you know, you're free to do what you want to do on the training ground and set the team up as you like. And we won't interfere with that. But these three, Neymar runs around a little bit. The other two don't really like running very much. So if you could just factor that in. And at the very highest level, you can't get away with that. Um, and, uh, you know, this season is slightly different in that Christophe Galtier is not a kind of um, a coach with... with, with a particularly uh, expansive football philosophy. You know, he he kind of built his success on on playing counter-attacking football uh, with 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 Lille, most notably, winning the league in in twenty twenty one, and 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 then at Nice with with less success. So so you know he he you know is not a kind of uh, a philosopher coach as, as Jose Mourinho might might uh, might have termed it. But again, he's another coach who's who's. Um, whose desire to create a team uh, that, that plays football a certain way has been undermined by the fact that 
they sign these superstar players who just won't run. And and the other thing, Peter, the the the, the perception then they've signed superstar players who won't run, and the perception of all of them is that they've just gone there for money. Nobody ever says somebody's gone to Paris Saint-Germain for football. No, well, yeah, and that, that goes hand in hand with achievement, doesn't it? Um, and the, the, the fact that the, the team building, as Tom was saying, does not necessarily correlate to a, to a team that's going to work together in a, in a fluent way. You have so, There's always this sort of um, dissonance and disconnect between different elements of the team, um, from the brilliant players that they bring in in one end that don't necessarily work with those at the other, the fact that they brought in Luis Campos... Again, someone known for finding gems and improving them in a team that also has players brought in for success now. And that's, that's the issue. And then you ask, if you're one of those superstar players going into PSG, are you going in there because you're won over by the project, by the direction of travel? Of course, there is the, the emphasis, the determination to win the Champions League. But then there comes a point where you look at it from a footballing perspective and those advising you around it saying is this the best fit for me is this the best fit for the, the style of play I want to play what will get the best out of my talent my, my potential um, and I suppose that's a question now for Mbappe who you would say is the main leading light in that trio now the, the one that PSG really should be building around and building the project towards um, and as you mentioned you know is PSG a better team with one one superstar instead of three? Um, one player who you can give, you know, let him stay up. Doesn't need to do the pressing rather than the three. So, um, yeah, that that's that's where you get those that feeling of um, why why moving to PSG is perhaps not a footballing decision. No, but always. there should be there should be Tom the perfect mix for this club. Really, they have the money. If they want, and I take your point on Donnarumma, but if they want a superstar goalkeeper and a superstar forward in Mbappe, they have the money for that. They have in Luis Campos someone who, as as Peter says, can find these gems and then they're polished. And they're also situated in a hotbed of young French footballing talent, both historically and currently. I mean, those three things together should make them all powerful, really. Yeah, which makes it all the more <laughs> remarkable that we, we, we end up having these same conversations year after year after year. But yeah, I mean, everything is in place, theoretically. But the club um, doesn't seem to see it like that. The hierarchy, because they want the showbiz, the Hollywood, you know, they talk about Bayern being FC Hollywood, but they want the Hollywood and the showbiz and the merch and so on and so forth. The actual perfect ingredients to build a football club and a football team seem to be ignored. I mean, there were signs last summer that PSG were changing their approach because they had this enormous bloated squad and they cleared out all the deadwood last summer. Players who've been kind of knocking around, you know, haunting corridors at the Parc des Princes for years. Um, you know, people like Julian Draxler, um, and who else left? Ander Herrera, uh, Tilo Kera. They got shot of all of them. Um, and they made a, a number of signings, didn't really break the bank to sign anyone, um, and it felt like this was the kind of streamlining process that PSG had had, had needed for, for quite a long time, um, and the sales were led by, uh, or the, sort of the, the, the departures were overlooked by Antero Henrique, the, the Portuguese former sporting director. Luis Campos um, was 
mainly responsible for, for the incoming players. And so when PSG started this season, they had a much smaller squad than they'd had in previous seasons. And, and that was that was part of Campos and, and Christophe Galtier's desire to, to just to have a smaller squad to work with. And you could see the sense in it. And it gave, on paper at least, it, it gave PSG a feeling of sort of suppleness and muscularity that they've not had in recent seasons when they had this big bloated squad. Of course, what has happened since then is they've had this this quite, I was going to say an unfortunate injury glut, but I think something they've underestimated, and this is something that Galtier alluded to last night, is the World Cup mid-season has had such an impact on, on players' fitness. And we've seen that with, with Premier League clubs as well. And, you know, partly as a consequence of that, PSG went into this this game last night, the biggest game of their season, um, missing Neymar, missing Presnel Kimpembe, Marquinhos agrees to play through the pain because he had a rib injury, has to go off after 36 minutes. Nordi Mukiele, who comes on to replace him, gets hooked at half-time because he's injured as well. And they end up playing with a back three of 36-year-old Sergio Ramos, a 17-year-old kid from the academy, and Danilo Pereira, a converted defensive midfielder. So, you know, they have been trying to move things in the right direction. More young players have been getting um, game time this season. Warren Zaire Emery, the the 16-year-old midfielder who came on last night and did more in 10 minutes than Messi and Mbappe had had done collectively in in 90, is one of the players who's been given a chance this season. Um, El Shaddai Bichiabu, the the 17-year-old centre-back who came on, is another um, it, it looks like they're sort of trying to move away from, from the, the kind of bling bling approach of, of previous seasons but nonetheless the, the fact that you have to pick Mbappe the fact that you have to pick Messi the fact that you kind of have to pick Neymar just makes it very difficult to create anything coherent on the pitch and that's that's what we've seen over these two legs first leg PSG basically let Bayern have the ball and, and, and create nothing and lose 1-0 and then last night They've got an extra midfielder because Neymar's not there. They're a bit more solid, but they, they create nothing and they're out of the Champions League again. And it's because there is just there is no coherent footballing project on the pitch. But the Paris Saint-Germain fans would, would go with patience to build that, wouldn't they? Because there has been disconnects between the Paris Saint-Germain fans and the superstar element of this team. Yeah, I mean, you go back to last year when they got eliminated at the same stage of this competition by Real Madrid. And in the first game at Parc des Princes, Neymar and Messi were booed. I mean, how do you, how do you boo Messi? You know, no matter, no matter what, what, what sporting shortcomings he's been partly responsible for. But it was a way of saying, you know, we reject this. We, we reject the, the kind of the bling bling culture. Um, and, you know, Neymar is not massively popular with, with PSG's fans. Messi doesn't really have any kind of bond with, with PSG's fans. Even Kylian Mbappe, uh, who was spared the booing um, this time last year, is not loved in the way that other players have been, have been loved. Not quite as wholeheartedly as other players have been loved because there's been the kind of constant fluttering of the eyelashes towards Real Madrid. And even though he ended up staying last summer, you know, come the autumn, there were stories as well that, you know, he felt like he'd made a mistake and, and still wanted to leave. So, you know, th- there is within the PSG fan base frustration at... Um, at the fact that the club is stuck in this sort of Champions League groundhog day. And as much as we talk about them as the, the, the nouveau riche, as the Arivist, and as much as, as, as people delight in, in, their, in their failures, 
you know, PSG fans for the most part are, are sort of normal football fans. I mean, you know, you remember this chap as you mentioned it before. I remember when I first moved to Paris pre Qataris, the Parc des Princes was an electrifying place to yeah. go and watch football. A proper atmosphere, and uh, they had problems with crowd violence that they, you know, correctly addressed. But you know, the the, the fans re- reject this idea that this is a club with only you know, 12 years of history that that, that the club was born the day the Qataris arrived. And they would much rather get back to, you know, the the, the days when perhaps they they weren't in the headlines quite as much, but they also weren't weren't a laughingstock either. Did you see any hope last night, Peter, in new generation, in a new philosophy? There was certainly hope with with Warren Zaire Emery. I know he's made such an impact since being brought into the first team set up and playing so many games as a 16-year-old, obviously 17 now, to have that confidence to step into that environment, into that dressing room with those players, um, bodes extremely well. But I guess that's not a surprise considering the talent base that's there in, in Paris. And I suppose if it's almost like a crossroads, isn't it, at this point? You can either go with the direction that's been suggested, that they, they do streamline things, they take a step back, move away from the bling-bling, and actually make a concerted effort to do it and perhaps build around Mbappe and take advantage of the academy that produces so many talented players that don't always make it into the PSG team as over the past decade has, has broadly shown. Or you have this mix and match approach which we have now where you still have the, the bling bling and attack while also trying to do other things, other areas of the team. And I think fundamentally that comes back to what the ownership want to do. Is it more valuable for them to have them as a a marketing element, the the presence, the stars, the conversations about PSG in that way? Or is there this real sporting determination to go on and, and win things? And at the moment, aligning those two things has not happened as much as it's been, as much as we've seen that progress. And, and yeah, to go back to last night, there are, there are elements of that team that can be the basis for a very strong side representative of real Parisian identity as well um, but it's whether they actually want to go and pursue it um, it's the, that's the open question What happens to Galtier do we think? I mean usually what happens when, when PSG get knocked out at this stage of the Champions League is that the coach gets the boot and I'm not sure that, that Christophe Galtier has, has done enough to suggest that he can develop the, the team in any meaningful way PSG have had all manner of different coaches uh, over the last few years, but because of this sort of obsession with with making room for the star players, uh, tactically they always just end up looking like a fudge. And I think Neymar's absence worked, you know, kind of played into Galtier's hands in a bit, in that he is naturally a a kind of belt and braces four four two man, um, and you know, being able to put in an extra centre mid. I think he he probably feels a bit more comfortable playing that kind of football. What works in his favour is his is his relationship with Luis Campos. I mean, you know that they they came as 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 a pair. Um, uh, you know, having having won the league together at, at Lille in 2021, albeit Campos had, had left before um, the, the season actually came to conclusion. You know that there have been signs of of, of tension uh, in in recent weeks. I mean, Luis Campos coming down onto the touchline and sort of hovering behind uh, Galtier a, a few weeks ago at Parc des Princes was, was was not a particularly 
Great image. The, the suggestion in the French sports media this morning is that is that Campos will be given more time to correct what are seen as the shortcomings of, of last of last summer's uh, transfer window. But that if yeah, if, if someone is likely to, to, to pay the price, it, it is it is probably most likely to be to be Galtier. Uh, we will leave it there, although I'm sure there'll, there'll be more podcasts coming on Paris Saint-Germain just because of the nature of the club. And there's plenty more that you can read on there. Uh, on their exit from the Champions League on The Athletic. Uh, if you've not got a subscription, head to theathletic.com slash footballpod for our latest offer of pound ninety-nine a month for 12 months. If you want to get more reaction to Tottenham going out of the Champions League, uh, then you can listen to our Tottenham podcast with Danny Kelly and co. Uh, the View from the Lane. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. More tomorrow. The Athletic.